Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, hello, wherever and whenever you are, and welcome to a special encore presentation of Stories of Your and Yours. Now, the original plan was for me to have some new content for you by now, but things aren't quite going as quickly as I was hoping, so I wanted to get a quick intro in here to let you know the plan. What I'm going to do is just to continue this mini hiatus for now, and in the meantime, I'll be recording content to finish out the season. Running behind just wasn't working under my current schedule like I was before, kind of uh, flying by the seat of my pants from week to week, so I need some time to run ahead, if you will. But during this time, I'll be posting some classic episodes here on the main feed, and over on Patreon, I'll continue to run Simply Stories and Spot the Lie. Speaking of which, the latest episode of Spot the Lie just posted on February 10th, and in January, I did Hop Frog by Edgar Allan Poe for Simply Stories. So there is still new content to be had while you're waiting. And just as a bit of a taste for what's coming, I'm planning on stories by Bram Stoker, H.G. Wells, Nathaniel Hawthorne, and more for the second part of Season 3. Not to mention a listener-submitted story, at least one listener-submitted story, as of now. I haven't finalized it yet, but the plan right now is to make a total of 20 episodes for Season 3, which would leave 11 more to produce at this point. I will have more in the way of timelines and things like that as the weeks roll on, and if I have any updates, I will throw them in here at the beginning of any classic episode. But for now, thanks for tuning in, and enjoy this week's Encore presentation. My name is Sean Ennis, and I will be the Hal of this space odyssey. Except I've been self-aware longer, and I have no malicious intent. Now, we don't have an iTunes review to read this week, and I'm actually recording this just a couple of days before this episode drops, so that means if you have a review this week, chances are it'll be on the show next week. And remember, those reviews are produced just like the stories here on the show with music and any sound effects that would go with it. Those ratings and reviews are the easiest way to help out the show, along with following us on social media, whether that's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Podcast. You can contact me through any of those methods or through syypodcast at gmail.com. Big shout out this week to Iona, who got in touch via Twitter and submitted a story that we'll hear soon here on the show. And also to Nate and Kimberly, who recently liked us on Facebook. Now changing gears here, I fancy myself a bit of a narrator, but not necessarily a writer. But there is a show that I've been listening to for a few weeks now that does feature a couple of writers who talk about all kinds of things, both related and unrelated to writing. They are Trisha and Shauna, also known as Two Girls on a Bench, and they are this week's podcast partner. Hi, this is Two Girls on a Bench, the podcast. So we're two writers who tend to procrastinate just a bit. We like to snack. We like to talk. We don't have time to write, but we have time to do this podcast. We certainly do. Join us on the bench. Listen in. At number two, Girls on a Bench. Patricia and Shauna have a lot of fun on that show, and you should give it a listen. And now that you know how to interact with this show, and you know where to find the writer's bench, let's get into this week's episode. This week we'll be hearing from one Ray Bradbury, who is one of the more celebrated American 20th century authors. Ray Bradbury has several well-known works, the most well-known of which is probably Fahrenheit 451, but he's also written several excellent and well-known short stories, and is considered to be one of the originators of modern-day science fiction and fantasy. Among those well-known stories are The Martian Chronicles, The Illustrated Man, and Something Wicked This Way Comes. Now these are all novels, and in total, Bradbury published over 600 short stories, novels, plays, and screenplays. 
Bradbury was born in Waukegan, Illinois in 1920, but grew up in Hollywood, where he became enraptured with movies and movie stars. He was also an avid reader and writer from a very early age, and there's an apocryphal anecdote that he would write on butcher paper, which was the only paper available at the time to him and his family during the Depression. Unlike several of our writers here on the show, Bradbury didn't work a bunch of odd jobs before becoming a professional writer. He sold newspapers for a few years as a young man and became a full-time writer in 1943 at the age of 23. His first published work was The Pendulum, which was published in the November 1941 issue of pulp magazine Super Science Stories. His first short story collection, called Dark Carnival, was published in 1947. Several other short story collections would follow, and his first novel, The Martian Chronicles, was published in 1950. This, of course, was followed by Fahrenheit 451 in 1953, and by that time, Bradbury's reputation was off and running. Bradbury would continue to be prolific in his writing, garnering countless awards and honors over the decades until his eventual death at the age of 91, just a few years ago in 2012. Today, we'll be concentrating on Asleep in Armageddon. This story, otherwise known as Perchance to Dream, was first published in the winter 1948 issue of Planet Stories. For a brief history of Planet Stories, you can revisit or visit for the first time episode 4 of this here podcast where we covered two stories by Philip K. Dick. Beyond Lies the Wub was a story featured in that publication and on this show. So, that is the author and the story, and this is today's presentation. Asleep in Armageddon by Ray Bradbury You don't want death, and you don't expect death. Something goes wrong, your rocket tilts in space, a planetoid jumps up, blackness, movement, hands over the eyes, a violent pulling back of available power in the four jets, the crash, the darkness. In the darkness, the senseless pain. In the pain, the nightmare. He was not unconscious. Your name, your name, your name, asked hidden voices. Sail, he replied in whirling nausea. Leonard Sail. Occupation, cried the voices. Spaceman, he cried, alone in the night. Welcome, 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 said the voices. Welcome. Welcome. They faded. He stood up in the wreckage of his ship. It lay like a folded, tattered garment around him. The sun rose, and it was morning. Sale pried himself out the small airlock and stood breathing the atmosphere. Luck. Sheer luck. The air was breathable. An instant's checking showed him that he had two months' supply of food with him. Fine. Fine. And this, he fingered at the wreckage. Miracle of miracles. The radio was intact. He started out the message on the sending key. Crashed on Planetoid 787. Sail. Send help. Sail. Send help. The reply came instantly. Hello, Sail. This is Adams in Marsport. Sending rescue ship logarithm. We'll arrive Planetoid 787 in six days. Hang on. Sail did a little dance. It was simple as that. One crashed. One had food. One radioed for help. Help came. La. He clapped his hands. The sun rose and was warm. He felt no sense of mortality. Six days would be no time at all. He would eat, he would read, he would sleep. 
He glanced at his surroundings. No dangerous animals, a tolerable oxygen supply. What more could one ask? Well, beans and bacon was the answer. The happy smell of breakfast filled the air. After breakfast, he smoked a cigarette slowly, deeply, blowing out. He nodded contentedly. What a life. Not a scratch on him. Luck. Sheer luck. His head nodded. Sleep, he thought. Good idea. Forty winks. Plenty of time to sleep. To take it easy. Six whole, long, luxurious days of idling and philosophizing. Sleep. He stretched himself out, tucked his arm under his head, and shut his eyes. Insanity came in to take him. The voices whispered. Sleep. Yes, sleep. Sleep. Said the voices. Ah, sleep. Sleep. He opened his eyes. The voices stopped. Everything was normal. He shrugged. He shut his eyes casually, fitfully. He settled his long body. <coughs> sang the voices far away. <coughs> sang the voices. Sleep, 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 Sang the voices. cried the voices. A bee ran through his brain. He sat up. He shook his head. He put his hands to his ears. He blinked at the crashed ship. Hard metal. He felt the solid rock under his fingers. He saw the real sun warming the blue sky. Let's try sleeping on our back, he thought. He adjusted himself, lying back down. His watch ticked on his wrist. The blood burned in his veins. Sang the voices. Sang the voices. Sang the voices. Blood tapped in his ears, the sound of the wind rising. Mine, mine, said a voice. Mine, mine, he's mine. No, mine, mine, said another voice. No, mine, mine, he's mine. No, ours, ours, sang ten voices. Ours, ours, he's ours. His fingers twitched. His jaws spasmed. His eyelids jerked. At last, at last, sang a high voice. Now, now, the long time, the waiting, over, over, sang the high voice. Over, over, at last. It was like being under sea. Green songs, green visions, green time. Bubbled voices drowning in deep liquors of sea tide. Faraway choruses chanting senseless rhymes. Leonard's sail stirred in agony. Mine, mine, cried a loud voice. Mine, mine, shrieked another. Ours, ours, shrieked the chorus. The din of metal, the crash of sword, the conflict, the battle, the fight, the war. All of it exploding, his mind fiercely torn apart 
He leaped up, screaming. Oh, no. The landscape melted and flowed. A voice said, I am Tile of Rathalar. Proud Tile, Tile of the Blood Mound and the Death Drum. Tile of Rathalar, Killer of Men. Another spoke. I am Ior of Wendelow, Wise Ior, Destroyer of Infidels. The chorus chanted, And we are the warriors, we the steel, we the warriors, we the red blood rushing, the red blood falling, the red blood steaming the sun. Leonard Sayle staggered under the burden. Go away, he cried. Leave me in God's name, leave me. Shrieked the high sound of steel hot on steel. Silence. He stood with the sweat boiling out of him. He was trembling so violently he could not stand. Insane, he thought. Absolutely insane. Raving insane. Insane. He jerked the food kit open, did something to a chemical packet. Hot coffee was ready in an instant. He mouthed it, spilled gushes of it down his shirt. He shivered. He sucked in raw gulps of breath. Let's be logical, he thought, sitting down heavily. The coffee seared his tongue. No record of insanity in the family for 200 years. All healthy, well-balanced. No reason for insanity now. Shock? Silly, no shock. I'm to be rescued in six days. No shock to that. No danger. Just an ordinary planetoid. Ordinary, ordinary place. No reason for insanity. I'm sane. Oh? oh. Cried a small metal voice within. An echo, fading. Yes! He cried, beating his fists together. Sane! <laughs> Somewhere a vanishing laughter. He whirled about. Shut up, you! He cried. We didn't say anything, said the mountains. We didn't say anything, said the sky. We didn't say anything, said the wreckage. All right, then, he said, swaying. See that you don't. Everything was normal. The pebbles were getting hot. The sky was big and blue. He looked at his fingers and saw the way the sun burned on every black hair. He looked at his boots and the dust on them. Suddenly, he felt very happy because he had made a decision. I won't go to sleep, he thought. I'm having nightmares, so why sleep? There's your solution. He made a routine. From nine o'clock in the morning, which was this minute, until twelve, he would walk around and see the planetoid. He would write on a pad with yellow pencil everything he saw. Then he would sit down and open a can of oily sardines and some canned fresh bread with good butter on it. From 12.30 until 4, he would read nine chapters of War and Peace. He took the book from the wreckage and laid it where he might find it later. There was a book of T.S. Eliot's poetry, too. That might be nice. Supper would come at 5.30, and then from 6 until 10, he would listen to the radio from Earth. There would be a couple of bad comedians telling jokes and a bad singer singing some song, and the latest news flashes signing off at midnight with a U.N. anthem. After that, he felt sick. I'll, I'll play solitaire till dawn, he thought. I'll sit up and drink hot black coffee and play solitaire, no cheating, until sunrise. Ho ho, he thought. What did you say? He asked himself. I said, ha ha, he replied. Sometime you will have to sleep. I'm wide awake, he said. Liar, he retorted, enjoying the conversation. I feel fine, he said. Hypocrite, he replied. I'm not afraid of the night, or sleep, or anything, he said. Very funny, he said. He felt bad. He wanted to sleep. And the fact that he was afraid to sleep made him want to lie down all the more and shut his eyes and curl up. Comfy cozy, 
said his ironic censor. I'll just walk and look at the rocks and geological formations and think how good it is to be alive, he said. Ye gods, cried his censor. William Saroyan. You'll go on, he thought, maybe one day, maybe one night. But what about the next night, and the next, and the next? Can you stay awake all that time for six nights until the rescue ship comes? Are you that good, that strong? The answer was no. What are you afraid of? I don't know. Those voices, those sounds. But they can't hurt you, can they? They might. You've got to face them sometime. Must I? Brace up to it, old man. Chin up and all that rot. He sat down on the hard ground. He felt very much like crying. He felt as if life was over and he was entering some new and unknown territory. It was such a deceiving day, with the sun warm. Physically, he felt able and well. One might fish on such a day as this, or pick flowers, or kiss a woman, or anything. But in the midst of a lovely day, what did one get? Death. Well, hardly that. Death, he insisted. He lay down and closed his eyes. He was tired of messing around. All right, he thought. If you are death, come get me. I want to know what this damn nonsense is all about. Death came. <coughs> said a voice. Yes, I know, said Leonard Sale, lying there. But what else? <coughs> said a voice. I know that also, said Leonard Sale irritably. He turned cold. His mouth hung open wildly. I am Tile of Rathanar, killer of men. I am Io, Wendelo, destroyer of infidels. What is this place? Asked Leonard Sale, struggling against horror. Once a mighty planet, said Tile of Rathalar. Once a place of battles, said Ior of Wendelo. Now dead, said Tile. Now silent, said Ior. Until you came, said Tile. To give us life again, said Ior. You're dead, insisted Leonard Sale, flesh writhing. You're nothing but empty wind. We live through you. And fight through you. So that's it, thought Leonard Sale. I'm to be a battleground, am I? Are you friends? Enemies, cried Ior. Foul enemies, cried Tile. Leonard smiled a rictal smile. He felt ghastly. How long have you waited? He demanded. How long is time? Ten thousand years? Perhaps. Ten million years? Perhaps. What are you? Thoughts? Spirits? Ghosts? All of those and more. Intelligences. Precisely. How did you survive? <coughs> sang the chorus far away. <coughs> sang another army waiting to fight. Once upon a time, this was fertile land, a rich planet, and there were two nations, strong nations, led by two strong men, I, Ior, and he, the one who calls himself Tile, and the planet declined and gave way to nothingness. The peoples and the armies languished in the midst of a great war which lasted five thousand years. We lived long lives and loved long loves, drank much, slept much, fought much, and when the planet died, our bodies withered, and only in time, with much science, did we survive. Survive, wondered Leonard Sale. 
but there is nothing of you. Our minds, fool! Our minds! What is a body without a mind? What is a mind without a body? Laughed Leonard Sale. I've got you there. Admit it. I've got you. True, said the cruel voice. One is useless, lacking the other. But survival is survival, even when unconscious. The minds of our nations, through science, through wonder, survived. But without senses, lacking eyes, ears, lacking touch, smell, and the rest. Lacking all those, yes. We were vapors merely, for a long time, until today. And now I am here, thought Leonard Sale. You are here, said that voice, to give substance to our mentalities, to give us our needed body. I'm only one, thought Sale. Nevertheless, you are of use. I'm an individual, thought Sale. I resent your intrusion. He resents our intrusion. Do you hear him, Ior? He resents. As if he had a right to resent. Be careful, warned Sale. I'll blink my eyes and you'll be gone, phantoms. I'll wake up and rub you out. But you'll have to sleep again sometime, cried Ior. And when you do, we'll be here waiting, waiting, waiting for you. What do you want? Solidity, mass, sensation again. You can't both have it. We'll fight that out between us. A hot clamp twisted his skull. It was as if a spike had been thrust and beaten down between the bivalvular halves of his brain. Now it was terribly clear, horribly, magnificently clear. He was their universe. The world of his thoughts, his brain, his skull, divided into camps, that of Ior, that of Tile. They were using him. Pennants flung up on a pink mind sky. Brass shields caught the sun. Gray animals shifted and came rushing in bristling tides of sword, plume, and trumpet. The rushing. The roaring. The whirling. Ten thousand men hurtled across the small hidden stage. Ten thousand men floated on the shellacked inner ball of his eye. Ten thousand javelins hissed between the small bone hulls of his head. Ten thousand jeweled guns exploded. Ten thousand voices chanted in his ears. Now his body was riven and extended, shaken and rolled. He was screaming, writhing. The plates of his skull threatened to burst asunder. The gabbling, the shrilling as across bone plains of mind and continent of inner marrow, through gullies of vein, down hills of artery, over rivers of melancholy came armies and armies, one army, two armies, swords flashed in the sun, bearing down upon each other, fifty thousand minds, snatching, scrabbling, cutting at him, demanding, using. In a moment, the hard collision, one army on another, the rush, the blood, the sound, the fury, the death, the insanity. Like symbols, armies struck. He leaped up, raving. He ran across the desert. He ran and ran, and did not stop running. He sat down and cried. He sobbed until his lungs ached. He cried very hard and long. Tears ran down his cheeks and into his upraised, trembling fingers. Go, go, help 
God, help me, he said. All was normal again. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. The rocks were baked by the sun. He managed after a time to cook himself a few hot biscuits, which he ate with strawberry jam. He wiped his stained fingers on his shirt, blindly, trying not to think. At least I know what I'm up against, he thought. Oh, Lord, what a world. What an innocent-looking world, and what a monster it really is. It's good no one ever explored it before. Or did they? He shook his aching head. Pity them, whoever crashed here before, if any ever did. Warm sun, hard rocks, not a sign of hostility. A lovely world. Until you shut your eyes and relaxed your mind. And the night and the voices and the insanity and the death padded on in soft feet. I'm all right now, though, he said proudly. Look at that. He displayed his hand. By a supreme effort of will, it was no longer shaking. I'll show you who's ruler here, he announced to the innocent sky. I am, he tapped his chest. To think that thought could live that long, a million years perhaps, all these thoughts of death and disorder and conquest lingering in the innocent but poisonous air of the planet, waiting for a real man to give them a channel through which they might issue again in all their senseless virulence. Now that he was feeling better, it was all silly. All I have to do, he thought, is stay awake six nights. They won't bother me that way. When I'm awake, I'm dominant. I'm stronger than those crazy monarchs and their silly tribes of sword flingers and shield bearers and horn blowers. I'll stay awake. But can you? he wondered. Six whole nights awake? There's coffee and medicine and books and cards. But I'm tired now. So tired, he thought. Can I hold out? Well, if not, there's always the gun. Where will these silly monarchs be if you put a bullet through their stage? All the world's a stage? No. You, Leonard Sale, are the small stage, and they the players. And what if you put a bullet through the wings, tearing down scenes, destroying curtains, ruining lines? Destroy the stage, the players, all if they aren't careful. First of all, he must radio through to Marsport again. If there was any way they could rush the rescue ship sooner, then maybe he could hang on. Anyway, he must warn them what sort of planet this was, this so innocent-seeming spot of nightmare and fever vision. He tapped on the radio key for a minute. His mouth tightened. The radio was dead. It had sent through the proper rescue message, received a reply, and then extinguished itself. The proper touch of irony, he thought. There was only one thing to do. Draw a plan. This he did. He got a yellow pencil and delineated his six-day plan of escape. Tonight he wrote, read six more chapters of War and Peace. At four in the morning, have hot black coffee. At 4.15, take cards from pack and play ten games of solitaire. This should take until 6.30, when... more coffee. At seven o'clock, listen to early morning programs from Earth, if the receiving equipment on the radio works at all. Does it? Mm. He tried the radio receiver. It was dead. Well, he wrote, from seven o'clock until eight, sing all the songs you remember. Make your own entertainment. From eight until nine, think about Helen King. Remember Helen. On second thought, think about Helen right now. He marked that out with his pencil. The rest of the days were set down in minute detail. He checked the medical kit. There were several packets of tablets that would keep you awake. One tablet an hour for six days. He felt quite confident. Here's mud in your eye, eye or tile. He swallowed one of the stay awake tablets with a scalding mouth of black coffee. Well, with one thing and another, it was Tolstoy or Balzac, gin rummy, coffee, tablets, walking, more Tolstoy, 
more Balzac, more gin rummy, more solitaire. The first day passed, as did the second and the third. On the fourth day, he lay quietly in the shade of a rock, counting to a thousand by fives, then by tens, to keep his mind occupied and awake. His eyes were so tired he had to bathe them frequently in cool water. He couldn't read. He was bothered with the splitting headaches. He was so exhausted he couldn't move. He was numb with medicine. He resembled a waxen dummy, stuffed with things to preserve him in a state of horrified wakefulness. His eyes were glass, his tongue a rusted pike. His fingers felt as if they were gloved in needles and fur. He followed the hand of his watch. One second less to wait, he thought. Two seconds, three seconds, four, five, ten, thirty seconds, a whole minute. Now an hour less time to wait. Oh, ship, hurry on my appointed round. He began to laugh softly. <laughs> what would happen if he just gave up, drifted off into sleep? Sleep. Ah, sleep. Perchance to dream. All the world a stage. What if he gave up the unequal struggle, lapsed down? The high, shrill warning sound of battle metal. He shivered. His tongue moved in his dry, burry mouth. Ior and Tile would battle out their ancient battle. Leonard Sale would become quite insane. And whichever won the battle would take the ruin of an insane man, the shaking, laughing, wild body, and wander it across the face of this world for ten, twenty years, occupying it, striding in it, pompous, holding court, making grand gestures, ordering heads severed, calling on inward, unseen dancing girls. And Leonard Sale, what remained of him, would be led off to some hidden cave, there to be infested with wars and worms of wars for twenty insane years, occupied and prostituted by old and outlandish thoughts. When the rescue ship arrived, it would find nothing. Sail would be hidden somewhere by a triumphant army in his head, hidden in some cleft of rock, placed there like a nest for Ior to lie upon an evil occupation. The thought of it almost broke him in half. Twenty years of insanity. Twenty years of torture. Doing what you don't want to do. Twenty years of wars raging and being split apart. Twenty years of nausea and trembling. His head sank down between his knees. His eyes snapped and cracked and made soft noises. His eardrums popped tiredly. Sleep, sleep, sang soft sea voices. I'll, I'll make a proposition with you. Listen, thought Leonard Sale. You, I or, you too, Tile, I or, you can occupy me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Tile, you can take me over on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. Thursday is maid's night out, okay? Eee. Sang the sea tide, seething his brain. Ah. Sang the distant voices softly, soft. What do you say? Is it a bargain, Hyor? Tile? No, said a voice. No, said another. Greedy, both of you greedy, complained Sale. A pox on both your houses. He slept. He was Ior, jeweled rings on his hands. He arose beside his rocket and held out his fingers, commanding blind armies. He was Ior, ancient ruler of jeweled warriors. He was Tile, lover of women. 
killer of dogs. With some hidden bit of awareness, his hand crept to the holster at his hip. The sleeping hand withdrew the gun there. The hand lifted. The gun pointed. The armies of Tile and Ior gave battle. The gun exploded. The bullet tore across Sale's forehead, wakening him. He stayed awake for another six hours, getting over his latest siege. He knew it to be hopeless now. He washed and bandaged the wound he had given himself. He wished he had aimed straighter, and it was all over. He watched the sky. Two more days. Two more. Come on, ship, come on. He was heavy with sleeplessness. No use. At the end of six hours, he was raving badly. He took the gun up and put it down and took it up again, put it against his head, tightened his hand on the trigger, changed his mind, looked to the sky again. Night settled. He tried to read, threw the book away. He tore it up and burned it, just to have something to do. So tired. In another hour, he decided. If nothing happens, I'll kill myself. This is for certain now. I'll do it this time. He got the gun ready and laid it down on the ground next to himself. He was very calm now, though tired. It would be over and done. He would be dead. He watched the minute hand of his watch. One minute. Five minutes. Twenty-five minutes. The flame appeared on the sky. It was so unbelievable he started to cry. A rocket! He said, standing up. A rocket! He cried, rubbing his eyes. He ran forward. The flame brightened, grew, came down. He waved frantically, running forward, leaving his gun, his supplies, everything behind. You see that, Ior? Tile? You savages? You monsters? I beat you! I won! They're coming to rescue me now! I've won, damn you! <laughs> he laughed harshly at the rocks and the sky and the backs of his hands. The rocket landed. Leonard Sayles stood swaying, waiting for the door lid to open. Goodbye, Ior! Goodbye, Tile! He shouted in triumph, grinning, eyes hot. Eee. Sang a diminishing roar in time. Ah. Voices faded. The rocket flipped wide its airlock. Two men jumped out. Sail? They called. We're ship ACDN-13. Intercepted your SOS and decided to pick you up ourselves. The Marsport ship won't get through till the day after tomorrow. We want a spot of rest ourselves. I thought it'd be good to spend the night here, pick you up, and go on. No, said Sale, face melting with terror. No, spend, no, spend night. He couldn't talk. He fell to the ground. Quick, said a voice in a blurry vortex over him. Give him a shot of food liquid, another of sedative. He needs sustenance and rest. No rest! Screamed Sale. Delirious, one man said softly. No sleep! There, there, said the man gently. A needle poked into Sale's arm. Sale thrashed. No, no sleep. Go! He mouthed horribly. Oh, go! Delirious, said one man. Shock. No sedative! Screamed Sale. The sedative flowed into him. Sang the ancient winds. Sang the ancient seas. No sedative! No sleep! Please don't! Don't! Don't!
screamed Sale, trying to get up. You don't understand. Take it easy, old man. You're safe among us now. Nothing to worry about, said the rescuer above him. Leonard Sale slept. The two men stood over him. As they watched, Sale's features changed violently. He groaned and cried and snarled in his sleep. His face was riven with emotion. It was the face of a saint, a sinner, an end, a monster, a darkness, a light, one, many, an army, a vacuum, all, all. He writhed in his sleep. The sound burst from his mouth. He screamed. What's wrong with him? Asked one of the two rescuers. I don't know. More sedative? More sedative. Nerves. He needs more sleep. They stuck the needle in his arm. Sale writhed and spat and moaned. Then, suddenly, he was dead. He lay there, the two men over him. What a shame, said one of them. Can you figure that? Shock. Poor guy. What a pity. They covered his face. Did you ever see a face like that? Totally insane. Loneliness. Shock. Yes, Lord, what an expression. I hope to never see a face like that again. What a shame. Waiting for us and we arrive when he dies anyway. They glanced around. What shall we do? Shall we spend the night? Yes, it's good to be out of the ship. We'll bury him first, of course. Naturally. And spend the night in the open, with good air, right? <laughs> good to be in the open again, after two weeks in that damned ship. Right, I'll find a spot for him. You start supper, huh? Done. Should be good sleeping tonight. Fine, fine. They made a grave and said a word over it. They drank their evening coffee silently. They smelled the sweet air of the planet and looked at the lovely sky and the bright and beautiful stars. What a night, they said, lying down. Pleasant dreams, said one rolling over, and the other replied, Pleasant dreams. They slept. Now, I am in no position here to give good survival tips for a spaceman trapped on a hostile planet who has to stay awake in order to survive. But, I can tell you this. If part of your plan to keep from falling asleep involves reading out of War and Peace for hours at a time, you're probably in a bit of trouble. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of Stories of Your and Yours, and if you did, I'd love it if you spread the word and leave an iTunes review for me to read on the show. If you've got a story to submit, or if you have a request for a short story, send that in to syypodcast at gmail.com, or hit me up via the aforementioned social media handles. For a full list of music and sound effect credits, please visit syypodcast.libsyn.com slash blog. Now, for next week, our folklore episode is still on the way, and if it's not featured here next week, well, then we'll have the tale of a long and perhaps surprising journey to happiness. Until then, this has been episode 20 of Stories of Your and Yours. I've been Sean Ennis. Thanks for listening. See you next week.